Welcome back to another edition of the Hops and Spirits podcast. And this week we go on the spirit side of things and we hit bourbon and a brand new bourbon that is out on the market called Kentucky Senator Bourbon. It's not brand new in the sense of the name. Uh, it's just brand new with who's running it and what's in the bottle. And we have with us one of the co-founders, Damon Thayer. He's also an entrepreneur and now co-founder of Kentucky Senator Bourbon. Bourbon. Damon, welcome in. Hey, it's great to be uh, on your podcast, Jonathan. Thank, thanks for asking me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, before we get into the, the bourbon, I always like to start things off with one tough question. And sometimes when I'm talking to folks, they actually go, this is tough. I've never thought of this because uh, I only give you guys a hint like right beforehand. So for you, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? It's pretty ironic that you asked me that, Jonathan, because I'm lactose intolerant, oh. which is a terrible affliction that I wouldn't wish on anybody. However, there are some excellent flavors of uh, dairy-free ice cream out there made with soy milk, rice milk, almond milk, coconut milk, uh, and, and I prefer the uh, Ben & Jerry's uh, chocolate chip cookie dough as my favorite. And nothing, nothing wrong with that. And, and it is nice, though, that now that they have so many options uh, for those that are lactose intolerant, because uh, otherwise it'd just be kind of rude during the summer. <laughs> it, it, let me tell you, it's it's not a fun affliction to, to have. I just wish that the uh, the pizza companies would get with the program here <laughs> and, uh, you know, offer me some fake mozzarella cheese at uh, at some of the big franchises. Uh, well, well, hopefully uh, that, that'll happen soon. For me, my, my favorite flavor of ice cream is cookies and cream. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Um, and, and you know what? I, I also never knew this until I moved to Kentucky. Uh, I never knew you could also put bourbon in ice cream and, and you know, have ice cream uh, sundays like that. I really appreciate that from Crank and Boom and all these other yeah. places uh, that, uh, that, that, are, that, that are popping that up. That Crank and Boom bourbon ice cream is really good. I, I, uh, I took a risk on it one day just because I knew I had to taste it. And by the <laughs> way, uh, I, I am happy to say that uh, Ben and Jerry's does have a great uh, dairy-free cookies and cream for me that, that I really like. It's, it's definitely in my top three. So, you know, who, who knew that you could pair, you know, ice creams and bourbon, uh, but that's kind of what we're doing here today as we now switched a little bit more on the bourbon side. The, the name might shock people because they've never maybe heard of it, Kentucky Senator Bourbon, uh, but those that maybe do a little bit of history uh, will find out that, you know, it's a name that has been around before. Uh, but how did you all start a bourbon company? Because uh, I feel like uh, that, that seems to be something that is a tough start. Uh, even in even in the days right now where it's booming business, but it's still not an easy start. Well, I, I was a, I, I was and am a bourbon geek, a bourbon collector, if you will. I you know I try like everybody else to get the Pappies and the BTACs, the VTACs, and the Wellers especially, and Blantons and EH Taylor and Old Forester birthday bourbon. And uh, I've been a strong supporter of the bourbon industry in my other job in the Kentucky State Senate. And about four years ago, a friend of mine showed me a label from this lapsed bourbon brand called Kentucky Senator Bourbon. Started to do a little research on it. It, it was an original brand in the Krigler and Krigler brand family. Uh, that, that was a bourbon formed, uh, uh, Krigler and Krigler was a bourbon company formed around the turn of the century, 120 some years ago in Covington. And then later on, it became a Double Springs Distillers brand out of Bardstown. So connection to Krigler and Krigler and Double Springs, but it was a lapsed brand. 
So I went to my business lawyer and good friend, Andre Regard, and I said, hey, I want to start a bourbon brand. Can you <laughs> look into the legality of doing this? He's, he said, yeah, but I want to be 50-50 partners. So we, uh, we decided to form Kentucky Senator Spirits, LLC. Uh, Andre handles all the, the legal work, which is substantial when launching and participating in the alcohol sector. I handle all the marketing and branding, and then we, we share everything else. <laughs> we, we split the accounting. He does the, uh, the invoicing, and I handle the payments. <laughs> and you know we, just, we work with a, a variety of different vendors, bottlers, and label companies, and secondary market bourbon source people. And, and here we are. So, so uh, that, that was about four years ago. And it takes a while uh, to get through all the legal machinations. But we, we now own the trademark with the United States Patent Office to Kentucky Senator Bourbon. It had been lapsed. So we, we own that through our Kentucky Senator Spirits LLC. And then uh, we started raising money from investors uh, to, uh, we put up some of our own money, but in, in order to make it happen, we had to raise some money from investors and that takes a while. And then sourcing bourbon, it was the, was the biggest challenge. There just is not in, in this, this economy, bourbon economy that we're in, where uh, demand outstrips supply, at least for a few more years, uh, we had a hard time finding bourbon to put in the bottle. And we, we had a line on some really good MGP juice, but it's distilled in Indiana. And I actually voted for a bill several years ago that said, if Kentucky is on your label, like Kentucky Owl or Kentucky Gentleman or Kentucky Senator, it has to be juice that's distilled in Kentucky. So uh, I couldn't, couldn't very well try to go up against a, a, a law that I voted for. So we, we lost some time on that. And then COVID hit and that delayed us even more. Uh, it's kind of hard to raise money and launch a bourbon brand in, in a pandemic, but that's exactly what we did. It just all sort of came together. Uh, we, we got our fundraising done about this time last year, maybe last summer. And then some 15 year old juice came on the market, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey with a great mash bill, 107 proof uh, cast strength. And uh, so we bought it and, and started going through the process of choosing a bottle buying corks and seals, uh, designing the label. Uh, Andre, of course, handling all of the licensing with the TTB, the, the COLA, uh, mm -hmm. the ABC. And, and we, we launched it in, in February, uh, Kentucky Senator Bourbon. And, and our unique selling proposition is each release will be named after a United States Senator from Kentucky. And our first release is named after Alvin Barkley, uh, who really is uh, one of Kentucky's iconic U.S. Senators. He also served as vice president under Harry S. Truman, and he hails from Paducah in McCracken County. And we've gotten great response on, on, on that, that, first, uh, that first launch. Our, um, we bottle at Bluegrass Distillers in Lexington with Sam Rock and his crew. We're his first contract bottling client, and they've been great to work with. Uh, our our Distributor is Kentucky Eagle Wine and Spirits. People may know them as having the Central Kentucky franchise for Anheuser-Busch products, but statewide, uh, they distribute uh, non-alcoholic drinks along with wine and spirits. So we're happy to join their, their spirits portfolio. I was going to say, I mean, it, I don't think people always understand. It's not like you can just start these things overnight. Like, like I was, I mean, even having someone like yourself that's 
immersed in the bourbon history, even the industry to some degree with, you know, being a state senator and working with the Distillers Association, others on, on projects. Uh, was it tough to kind of get this rolling? I mean, did you, was there ever a point where you're like, okay, this might not work as well as I thought it would? Yes, <laughs> it was, it, it's really hard to, to, to do, to be a startup. We're a non-distiller producer and NDP. So finding that juice was a real challenge. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on the phone uh, with the gentleman who owned that MGP juice that I mentioned. And I was talking to Eric Gregory at the KDA about it. And he said, um, do you remember that bill a few years ago uh, that you passed? Uh, there was a line in there about uh, if Kentucky is part of your label, it has to be Kentucky source juice. And I was like, oh, don't, don't, don't. We, we lost about a year chasing that MGP juice. And, and I like MGP juice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I like, uh, you know, when, when New Riff was out as OKI, uh, Boone County, uh, 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 some of the others. Uh, just say, there's a lot Agnes. of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, uh, so, you know, we were headed down that trail until Eric reminded me that I, I voted myself out of being able to use that juice. And after that, I thought, man, we're, we're, we're sort of dead in the water. Uh, but we had some, we had some funders come through who believed in the idea. I mean, it's a really simple idea. Kentucky bourbon with a side of Kentucky history. Mm -hmm. with which you know we, we want to have high quality kentucky straight bourbon whiskey aged more than four years uh, we will always have an aging statement on our bourbon and uh it's gonna it, it's gonna be different every time sort of like the barrel bourbon approach mm -hmm. uh with a different bourbon every time and kind of also modeled from a marketing point of view uh, with the pinhook guys i'm in the horse racing business so i know jamie hill who's one of the partners in pinhook and I like what they do, where each bourbon is named after one of their racehorses. So that's kind of where we, 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 we blended, if you will. Our bourbon is not blended, but we blended some ideas. You know, with <laughs> barrel bourbon, you know, they, they have a different mash bill in, in every release that's been very successful. Pinhook, from a marketing point of view, uh, naming it after a racehorse. Okay, let's name it after U.S. senators. And there's 66 of them to choose from, um, only the, the only two are still alive, and that's the, the current occupants of the office, uh, Senator McConnell and Senator Paul. Um, so we, we're, we're going through the list. Uh, uh, Kentucky law does not allow you to use the name and likeness of a public figure who's been deceased less than 50 years. So we're limited on that. There, there, there have been some really great and notable senators who have passed away in the last 50 years. And uh, I'd like to try to reach out to some of their families and get permission to use some of their names. Wendell Ford, Happy Chandler, John Sherman Cooper, Marlo Cook. Uh, I already have permission from Senator Jim Bunning's family to use his uh, name and likeness on one of our releases. And we will do that in the future. Senator Jim Bunning is my political mentor. He helped me get my start in politics back in the late 90s. So that'll be a, a personal favorite of mine somewhere down the road. So it, but it's, it's been difficult. Uh, it was hard to raise the money. Luckily, we had some people who came in at the last minute who really believed in the idea, put up some of our own money. Uh, and then we just got lucky. Uh, we don't know 100% that our, our product is from Beam, but we're about 99.5% that this started out as a, as a Beam bourbon back in 2006. And, you know, they, they dumped 
a bunch of four, last year, 14 year old bourbon into totes and started selling them on the secondary market. And we were fortunate that we were able to get a tote of that bourbon. And apparently it just didn't meet any of their brand profiles. I don't know if it was, if it started out to be maybe Knob Creek or Booker's, but uh, they, they decided to put it into totes. We were lucky to get one and we got about 1,320 bottles uh, from the first release. Well, some, sometimes it's, it's nice to be, be lucky. Uh, uh, nothing, sometimes nothing it's wrong. better to be lucky than good. <laughs> I learned that in the horse racing business and that transfers over to the bourbon side as well. And, and, you know, you, you talk a little bit about the, the small batch, batch route. Um, obviously, you know, barrel bourbon, uh, I've, I've talked to trip and, and, and some of those folks here and, you know, they do some really cool things with, uh, you know, their, their batch releases. Um, why go that small batch route always? Cause I mean, sometimes it's easier to, you know, people can go, Oh, I like that one. I want to keep going back to it. Uh, but I know others do really love to always try something different. Uh, so why go the small batch route? It's just a matter of availability. By the way, Trip has done a great job building that brand. Uh, just a, just a terrific, from a marketing point of view, I have mad respect for, for what he's done. Um, and, you know, the same with Kentucky Owl, those folks, the, the, the Deadmans, they've done a great job. And they obviously sold that brand for a lot of money. Angels Envy, uh, you know, Wes Henderson's done a terrific job. And I have a great deal of respect for, for folks like that. I mean, look at, look at Tom Bullet. I mean, mm-hmm. started Bullet as a sourced bourbon and eventually sold it to Diageo, one of the biggest spirits companies in, in the world. Uh, so the small batch result, it's just that it's a matter of necessity uh, because we're, we're an NDP, so we're buying sourced bourbon. It's also a matter of finances. I don't, our company doesn't have the resources yet to go out and buy a hundred barrels of bourbon and store it and let it age and, and then start staging releases. We, I will tell you, and this is, you're getting a scoop. Uh, We, we did just purchase uh, with the proceeds of our first release. We did just purchase, purchase some six year aged bourbon. Uh, It's currently being stored at uh, Barbstown bourbon company, a wonderful company. Really, really appreciate their, uh, and, and, and have a lot of respect for their business model. Uh, I wish I had their financing, uh, <laughs> really impressive. So uh, Andre and I are currently trying to decide our, our next uh, plan of action, but it's very likely that our, our next release is going to be a six-year bourbon. Uh, and, and we will put that on the label. I'm a full believer in transparency and letting folks know what it is they're drinking. And so we're, we're trying to decide if we're going to do a couple of uh, maybe single barrel releases, maybe some store picks uh, mm-hmm. for our next couple of releases. I'm currently researching Kentucky's one term senators, because, uh, as you know, a U.S. Senate term is six years. Yeah. So we're we're going to go from one of the greatest, most iconic U.S. senators to ever serve Kentucky to to perhaps one or more who are a little more obscure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but again, it's bourbon with a side of Kentucky history. And I, you know, all these men uh, are, are part of Kentucky's history and there, there's a good number of them. Uh, Marlo Cook, for example, a, a great Republican Senator from the late sixties served one six year term 
and lost to Wendell Ford, who then served until Jim Bunning won the seat in 1998. Uh, but I'm I've got to get a hold of Marlo Cook's family to see if I can get permission to use his name. But there, if you go back in history, there are some some other ones that we may look at using. And then, if we stage it out, we may uh, we so we may do one or more single barrel store picks later this year, which means it'll be even harder to find than our thirteen hundred and twenty bottle first release. Uh, and then, you know, next year stage it out where we we go back to a a more regular release with a seven-year bourbon and then maybe after that an eight-year bourbon depending you know if, if things continue to go well we sold out our our first release in the first couple of weeks and the demand demand for it is huge people are looking all over the state for it uh, but if, if things continue well and we can buy some more aged bourbon and, and age it a little longer and stage it out that that could be a part of our plan again i'm just giving you a little bit of insight into our thinking no final decisions but uh, it's fun. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. But I, Andre and I have a fiduciary responsibility to our investors. So we want to make good decisions. And, you know, we, we both have other jobs. Andre has a vibrant law practice. I have my state Senate gig. Plus I have my own consulting company and my own horse racing partnership company. So um, we, uh, you know, this is a really good side hustle, but it's also something we take very seriously and, and hope that someday uh, it can be, bigger than it is. And you, you look at some of these brands that started out as sourced bourbon, like Bullet and uh, New Riff, you know, when, when they, of course they started out as OKI, uh, Boone County, uh, Angel's Envy, uh, you know, who knows, the sky's the limit. We're off to a really good start. People seem to like the brand. It's really good juice. Uh, and uh, obviously 107 proof has an appeal too. That's the traditional barrel proof. Bakers is sold at 107 proof, Pappy 15, 107. So uh, a lot of neat things that we've been able to do, and we hope to keep it going and keep telling a good story. I was going to say, I think that's no, no matter what, it, the history that kind of comes with the bottle, something will always be unique. You always have some, some fun story to, to tell. Um, I, I love that aspect. So, you know, this is the bottle, uh, the label designed by Turner Labels down in Nicholasville. And then on the back, we have the, a small bio and a photo of Senator Barkley. And then you can go to the website or scan the QR code and uh, our website, which is, uh, which is Kentucky's KY Senator bourbon.com has a, a, a much longer biography uh, of Senator Barkley. So a little bit of history on the back and then links to go uh, get, get more history uh, on, on that. And we're going to continue that as we, we go forward. We, we were advised not to put uh, a, a picture uh, on the front of our bourbon, but to put it on the back label. And uh, I think that was good advice. Let, let the, the, the label and the brand sell itself on the front and put the history on the back. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an amazing thing. And also when you have good, good stuff inside the bottle, that never hurt, hurts either. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, being an NDP. Um, you're not a startup distillery like some people might think that is maybe producing stuff, but using sourcing at the start. Why? Obviously, I'm sure cost plays a role, role in that. And also, this is not your full-time time job, but why go the NDP route? And what exactly does that mean for folks that may not understand that, that notion? Sure. So to build a brick and mortar distillery would be, 
I'm guessing it would cost on the low end five to $10 million. And, you know, Andre and I are, we're, we're middle-class working guys and with kids in college still. So, <laughs> um, my daughter's at middle Tennessee state studying to be a pilot. And, uh, she, she was a great student in high school and got some scholarships, but I, uh, to MTSU, but I, my ex-wife, and I still have to pay those, uh, aviation fees for fees for, uh, for gas, for fuel, flight instructor, usage of the plane. So, uh, yeah, so we don't we don't have five or ten million dollars laying around to, to build a, a standalone distillery. So we we are what's called an NDP, a non-distiller producer. I mean, that's how that's how Tom Bullet started out with with Bullet Bourbon, and uh, you know there there's a lot of stories like that out there. Pinhook, uh, the same. They started out with MGP juice, and then they uh, I believe what they did is they have a deal with. Um, Wes and Will over at Castle and Key, where they've been laying down their own juice. And that too is really expensive. Uh, Castle and Key's minimum is 500 barrels. If I wanted to go to Wes and Will and, you know, lay down my own juice. So four years from now, uh, I, I would put it in the bottle uh, and sell it. It's really expensive. At, at 500 barrels, you've, you've got to buy the barrels distill the bourbon, pay them a storage fee for store years. We, for four years, we just don't have that capital right now. That's a really good business model. It's what New Riff did. Uh, New Riff bought some excellent M MGP juice and put it in the bottle as the OKI brand. But at the same time, uh, they built their own distillery there on the banks of the Ohio River in Newport uh, and, and, and started distilling their own juice. And now what we know as New Riff is that four-year-old bourbon uh, that they they started aging at back at the beginning? The the owner of New Rip used to own a liquor store, which is right across the, the the parking lot called the Party Source. And what I'm told is he uh, created an ESOP, an employee stock option program, and sold the Party Source to his employees. And that's how he financed uh, the distillery there at New Rip. So. Andre and I don't, we don't have that option. Um, and, you know, uh, Boone County, uh, uh, the, the, the guy there who owns Boone County, same, same thing. I think he was in the coal business and, you know, had revenue from the coal business where he, he could build his distillery. He, he bought some excellent MGP juice. And I guess for your, your viewers, that's Midwest Grain Producers, which is in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. It's the old Seagram's plant. And while it's, and it's great bourbon, uh, they, they have great product coming out of there, but it's distilled in Indiana, which is why I, I couldn't use it in a bottle with Kentucky on the label. But that's what Boone County and New Rift started out while their owners used revenues from other sources to build distilleries. And you know now we're seeing the New Rift juice on the market. Soon we'll see the Boone County juice that's aged right there off of I-75 um, in, in Boone County. And, so it's and, just it's just a matter of you know resources, and uh, you know maybe someday we'll have those kind of resources. Maybe one day one of the big you know spirits brands will come to us and want to talk. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to use the resources we have to to put great juice in the bottle and market it with a little bit of history. That's our unique selling proposition. One of the 
great advertising grandfathers was a was a gentleman named Bill Bernbach. Uh, if you've heard of the big the BBDO advertising agency, along with Leo Burnett, was one of the biggest original New York Madison uh, Avenue ad agencies. Bill Bernbach said every product or service needs a unique selling proposition, a USP, and every marketer needs to figure out what that USP is, whether they're selling a product, a brand, a service, and our, our USP, our unique selling proposition is great Kentucky bourbon with a side of Kentucky history. And we think we can carve out a niche. I know that the bourbon marketplace is very crowded. I go to liquor stores all the time to see what's on the shelf and see how it's presented. I buy and drink a lot of bourbon as well. But I still think there's a lot of blue sky ahead, a lot of runway ahead for the bourbon industry. And I'm happy to be a part of it. And we'll see where it takes us. I was going to say, I know uniqueness uh, is sells right now, especially uh, uh, when you put that kind of unique twist of the, uh, the Kentucky name and then the history on the, on the, on the other side. Um, you talk a little bit about that first release, the name and how that all came came to be about because obviously that is the one that is out now um if you can find it um but uh, uh with 1300 bottles but talk, talk a little bit about uh, batch one batch one is uh 78 corn 13 percent rye and the rest malted barley it's uh 107 proof uh it's a uh, cast strength that's how it came to us it's very small batch distilled aged and bottled here in Kentucky. It's 15 years old, uh, 107 proof. Like I said, that's the traditional barrel proof for a lot of great brands like Baker's, uh, Pappy Van Winkle, 15 year. And uh, we got about 1,320 bottles bottled at Bluegrass Distillers uh, with Sam Rock and the crew, which is located on West 6th in Lexington, a, a great spot. Uh, if you haven't visited, I, I, I recommend you do. They have great bourbon themselves there. As a matter of fact, they just released a weeded bottled and bond bourbon that is extraordinary. Um, and we, you know, we initially we wanted to do the release name for Henry Clay, but there's already a Henry Clay whiskey on the market. And so we didn't uh, didn't want to launch with uh, any sort of litigation. But since then, we found out that um, that the Henry Clay intellectual property rights are actually owned by Ashland the Henry Clay estate in Lexington. And so Andre, as a lawyer, uh, may approach them on behalf of our little company and see if we can do a Henry Clay release uh, somewhere down the line. And again, I, I would, if we can keep this going, and I, I think we will, if, if consumers continue to respond, I, I would like to have Bourbon's name for famous U.S. senators like Henry Clay, John Sherman Cooper, Wendell Ford, Happy Chandler, uh, I already told you I'm going to do Jim Bunny. He's my political mentor. Mm -hmm. But we're, we're also going to explore some more obscure names, uh, perhaps with 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 one or more six year bourbon releases. And and I, I think, you know, if we can help educate people on, you know, the 66 men who have served in the United States Senate representing Kentucky in the most unique club in the world, uh, I, I think that'll be fun and people will enjoy it. And Obviously, we're, we're going for the collectible aspect as well. I, I tell people if they find the bottles, buy one to drink and one to save. And, you know, we're, we're going to have a really cool horizontal shelf look to our to our bourbons. 
you know, the, the, the label will be the same, but we've already got the, our label designer working on a different color palette for release too. And, you know, if you look at like the barrel bourbons, you know, on a horizontal mm. shelf, <laughs> that, that is beautiful. Also yeah. the pin as a horse racing guy, I love, you know, when you, when you see on Instagram, somebody posting their, their horizontal shelf with all the pin hook bourbons. I mean, that's a work of art what those guys have done. And, and we're going to, we're going to try to do the same thing. And then um, how, how has it been sourcing? Cause obviously you've t- touched on it a little bit. It's uh, you, you ended up spending about a year before you realized you, you had to stay <clears throat> within the boundaries here of Kentucky. <clears throat> how, how is it to though source bourbon? I mean, um, I'm guessing even though there's more distillers coming on, if you're still wanting four years and older, it's, it's, it's a little tough. It's very, very difficult. I, I don't know what the biggest challenge is fundraising, uh, all the licensing or sourcing bourbon, probably it, it would be sourcing bourbon because the demand is so high. And, you know, there are a lot of brands out there uh, that started out as sourced bourbon. In fact, before the bourbon boom, what, what I'm told is the, the big distilleries, they, they would gladly sell off some of their stocks to non-distiller producers. Uh, and, and there are examples of that out there. Will it, um, I think, uh, you know, Bullet was a sourced bourbon for a long time and, and they all source their bourbon from the, from the big guns like Jim Beam, I'm told, and uh, Woodford, uh, Buffalo Trace, uh, Heaven Hill. Uh, so sourced bourbon for a long time was easy to find, but there, that's because there wasn't as much demand for bourbon, but you know, the bourbon boom started about 10 years ago. And now all those, uh, you know, the big distilleries, not only do they need their existing juice for their own brands, but also they're building rickhouse upon rickhouse upon rickhouse to, to meet the demand. And as you know, um, most of them wait four years or more. Uh, so most of the big brands that don't have aging statements on it, are aged anywhere from six to eight years. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're making juice to put in their bottles to build their brands and they're doing brand extensions. Look at, look at all the brand extensions for Old Forester. Absolutely brilliant what they're able to do with that brand. And, you know, as the first bottled bourbon and, and, as, and I'm a friend with, uh, with Matt Brown, who's the great, great uh, uh, grandson. He's the chairman of the Republican Party of Kentucky. Also, he's the great, great grandson of George Garvin Brown, the founder of Old Forester. I just have nothing but mad respect and you, for them. And even, even Maker's Mark, you know, with Maker's 46 and some of the other expressions that they're doing, uh, the brand extensions are terrific from a marketing point of view. I, I love it. And from a bourbon geek point of view, I love it too. But it, it just, it's made it harder for NDPs to find aged bourbon. And, you know, we went back to a broker and uh, to s- several brokers after we launched this 15 year and we're like any more of that out there. They're like, no, there's, there's not any 15 year bourbon. There's not any 12 year bourbon. There's not any eight year bourbon. Uh, we got some six year bourbon. That's the next best thing. And it's really good bourbon. Uh, I really like it. Um, we, it's 121 proof. We haven't decided yet if we're going to proof it down or, or sell it uh, right. We right out of the barrel at cast strength, but, uh, it's really good bourbon, but that's the oldest thing we can get right now. So it's um, because if they've 
they've got aged bourbon. They're going to try to figure out a way to fit it into their brand portfolio. We were just lucky that apparently Beam just decided and, you know, the volume of bourbon coming out of the distillery down in Claremont is enormous. They just decided it didn't fit any of their brand profiles. And, and we were lucky and others were lucky too. There are others who got a hold of that 15 year bourbon. Uh, Chicken cock comes to mind right away. And there are other brands that got a hold of it too. And, and I wish them nothing but the best. I'm all for competition, but I wish everybody well. I, I, I love it when people send me a picture of our bourbon uh, on their shelf or on their bar with all these other great brands. I was going to say that that's got to be a, a cool site, site for, for you all. Uh, especially just being, you know, a, a couple months old in terms of, of what's actually out on the market. Um, you you kind of touched on this a, a little bit. What What's the strategy? Is it going to be continuing to release batches as you can? Maybe some single barrel programs. Obviously, you touched on that. Uh, nice little scoop there. But is the idea maybe one or two batches a year if you can keep up with everything? Ideally, yes. We've had some interest in doing some store picks so that, you know, single barrel store picks. And that's going to be interesting because the yield on our barrels is going to be about 200 bottles per barrel. Unless we proof it down, we might get a few more. Uh, But let's say 200. Um, If if we've got a couple of store picks, maybe, you know, a store pick or a a bar that wants to do a pick or a restaurant that wants to do a pick. that's going to make, make it interesting because it's going to be even harder to find for those people who want to collect the bottles as well as drink them. But, but yeah, I would say one release a year would be good uh, unless, you know, we, we have the capital and can find the juice to do two. That's a possibility as well. So like I said, we're, we're only a couple of months into our first release and you know, a lot of people want to talk to us now. And so we're, we continue to learn uh, a lot more about, uh, about this side of the bourbon business. Uh, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I mean, I, I want to continue to go as long as we can, as long as the capital remains, as long as consumers continue to accept our bourbon in the marketplace. And, and, and I think if we do two things, bottled really good juice, and continue to tell a good story. I think there's a place for us in the in the crowded bourbon marketplace. Oh, we've, I, we've, had some in, we've had some interest from some out-of-state distributors. Our, we've only we've primarily distributed in Kentucky, uh, although um, Jack Rose Dining Saloon in Washington D.C., which has the largest collection of whiskeys in the country, they bought five cases. Uh, Bill Thomas, uh, the owner of Jack Rose, is a friend of mine, and. He bought five cases through his Washington, D.C. distributor's license. It's been selling well up there, which makes me really proud. And then uh, uh, bourbonoutfitter.com is another place. Uh, They bought some cases and uh, a lot of friends and family have been buying that uh, outside of Kentucky uh, and having it shipped to them, again, through a Washington, D.C. distributor's license. So if your viewers are interested, it's bourbonoutfitter, singular, bourbonoutfitter.com. Just go to the search bar and type in Senator and see if they have any bottles left. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, with 1,300 bottles, um, doing too much distribution uh, makes it a very, very tough find. Um, not that it isn't already tough at with as many places that you can get uh, some good bourbon. I, I did want to ask this because obviously, you know, you're a bourbon drinker. Uh, you, you've worked with the, the bourbon folks. 
how did your bourbon journey start? Have you always loved it or is it something that grew uh, on you? Cause like for me, mine, I had it a few times before uh, the last couple of years and that now it's kind of taken off, you know, with, uh, with the pandemic and such that I'm home a little more, but uh, what was your bourbon journey like? <laughs> the, the uh, my divorce is what uh, made me become friends with bourbon. I, uh, you know, Honestly, it happened. I got divorced uh, 10, 11 years ago and, uh, you know, was looking for new hobbies and new things to do in my spare time. And uh, that's when I started drinking bourbon and then started trying to collect some of these hard to find bottles. And it just kind of took off from there. So, you know, I'd like to jokingly tell people that, you know, after my divorce, bourbon and I became very good friends. Uh, But it's, 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 really not anything like that. It was just, I was looking for a new hobby, uh, to, to, you know, take up some of my spare time. So, and you know, if you, I'm not from Kentucky, you can probably tell by my accent. I was born and raised in Northern Michigan. I like to tell people I wasn't born in Kentucky, but I came here as soon as I could. And I, you know, I moved here in 1992 to work in the horse racing business, uh, at Turfway park. And then I worked at the breeders cup for eight years. And then, um, you know, got into the legislature 18 years ago. And, you know, here, here I am living in Kentucky doing horse racing, bourbon and politics. I mean, I don't know if there's <laughs> three things that are more quintessential to the Commonwealth of Kentucky than, than those three pursuits. Uh, that, 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 is, that is a, a very, very good point. Uh, I was going to say, what's it like having all, all those, uh, your hand in, in so many different things? Because, um, you know, that some can be a full-time job as just a hobby. So, I mean, to, to be in, in the horse racing business, um, I know you're partners with multiple people uh, in, in each kind of realm, so to speak, but still, what's it like uh, kind of having that entrepreneurial spirit? Well, my, my, uh, my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, my, my dad in the 1970s was working at a factory in Bay City, Michigan, uh, and my mom was a bookkeeper and we lived uh, in the thumb area of Michigan. You know, people from mm-hmm. Michigan always use the hand as a map. And uh, my parents had purchased a hunting cabin from my grandmother in northern Michigan in a town called Grayling uh, after my grandfather died in 71. And we used to spend the weekends up there hunting and fishing and frolicking in the woods and the lakes and the rivers that are you know, northern Michigan is known for. And my dad and mom decided in the middle of the Carter malaise, Jimmy Carter malaise, that he, those were his words, not mine. He called the economy a, a malaise uh, and wasn't reelected because of it, by the way, but, but I digress. My parents decided in the middle of the Carter malaise, my dad quit his job at, in, in a factory in Bay City, Michigan. My father didn't graduate from high school. Uh, my mom should have gone to college because she was a great student, but instead she got married and had my sister and me. And uh, he moved to Northern Michigan in this and started to renovate this, this hunting cabin for us to live in. And my dad started a machine shop in, in a shed in our backyard. So I, I guess I'm, I've always worked in sort of corporate America, you know, for racetracks and companies like the Breeders' Cup, but I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit ingrained in me by, by my parents. You know, my, my mom always worked a, a bookkeeping job, but then she'd come home at night and basically was my dad's CFO. So they, they ran the business together. My dad, you know, was the CEO, COO and chief marketing officer. 
and chief sales guy. And my, my mom was a CFO. So that probably instilled in me the entrepreneurship that I have today. And, uh, you know, just opportunities came along. I, I started a consulting company after I left the Breeders' Cup uh, to do sports marketing. And, uh, and then, you know, I started the, my horse racing partnership company where I invest in, in horse racing partnerships in a very, very small way. And then started the bourbon company. And uh, the other aspect of it is my dad died uh, a little over two years ago. And I always talked with him about doing this bourbon thing and doing the horse racing partnership. And he died uh, at age 74 uh, the, from the effects of being a smoker since the age of 12. And I just decided, you know, when, when both my parents are gone, my mom died at age 57, also from cancer. Then I'm 53. And when I hit 50 and then my dad died, I looked around, neither of my parents were alive. And I said, okay, life's too short. Um, you know, my, my, my son was in college. My daughter was headed that way at the time. And I, I just decided that I, I needed to sort of pivot my life uh, and uh, take my hobbies and turn them into entrepreneurial opportunities. So I, I did, I took my hobbies of horses and bourbon and turning them into entrepreneurial opportunities. I guess the lesson from this is, you know, it's that old adage, you only get one day at a time, might as well live it. And I just decided to stop waiting. And, you know, when, when you lose a parent, and in my case, both parents, it, it, you come face to face with your own mortality. And I just decided I'm not gonna waste any more time. And fortunately, you know, I found a great business partner in, in Andre Regard, and we have some a great investors who really believe in our idea. And uh, we're going to keep uh, trying to make money for them while selling a great bourbon in the marketplace for consumers to enjoy. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, you're hitting everything you need to right now with, with what you're being able to put in it, the story you're being able to share uh, of the history. I mean, do you have any other hobbies that you're going to be spinning off into other business <laughs> ideas or, or is this where it stops? I think, I think for now, this is it, but I'm always open to new opportunities. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, especially some that could provide cash that I could then plow back into the bourbon and horse businesses. Uh, I, you know, I, I think probably unless some other opportunity comes around, I'm going to be spending, you know, the next decade or so trying to grow these businesses uh, and create value uh, on the bourbon side for, for my investors uh, and for Andre and me and uh, to try to win some races uh, at the track and, uh, you know, continue to do good work for my consulting clients. And, you know, my job in the state Senate as, and as majority floor leader continue to focus on that on behalf of the constituents I represent. So uh, I'm a multitasker. Uh, and so I, I and I have a very short attention span. That I, <laughs> and so you know, having things to, you know, I can spend an hour on one project and then move to the next and move to the other. Uh, and, and I like that. I like having four or five things in the hopper to, to give me things to focus on throughout the course of the day. Yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I'm the same way. My, my last question is what's, what's next for Kentucky Senator Bourbon? Is it kind of what we talked about? Just wait and see and, and stay tuned. We're, we're going to do something with this six-year bourbon later this year. It's, it's either going to be uh, a wide release, maybe uh, five or six barrels. Uh, so, you know, maybe a thousand to 1200 bottles to follow up, or we may look at uh, a single barrel approach. Uh, we, again, we've had some interest on doing store picks. And so that, that would change our business model a little bit, but I think in, in this bourbon 
economy that we're in, I think you have to be flexible and creative. And I, I want to strike while the iron is hot and continue to build our brand and, and sell great bourbon. And so uh, if we've got some willing partners on the store pick side, we, we may go that approach. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll, you'll be one of the first to know once we make a decision. <laughs> I, I like the sound of that. And Damon, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing how you guys uh, launched uh, a new bourbon company in the midst of all, all of this craziness in the world. And it uh, sounds like you guys are doing some good things and I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks for having us on. On behalf of uh, my business partner, Andre Regard and our investors uh, in Kentucky, Senator Bourbon, I'm really grateful to the consumers and the retailers uh, and our great distributor, Kentucky Eagle, and our great bottler, Bluegrass Distillers, for, for making our launch uh, a huge success. And uh, we'll, we'll be back in the marketplace uh, sometime later this year in one fashion or another. We're selling great Kentucky bourbon with a side of Kentucky history. Oh, that was a blast. I really appreciate Damon uh, coming on, talking to Kentucky Senator Bourbon. It's so cool to see them revive uh, that that brand and see what they're doing with it. I can't wait to see what's next. And I love the fact that he was willing to give us a little scoop, inside look at what's coming down the road this year, whether it's uh, some store picks or maybe even batch number two from them. I can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see what happens either with our next giveaway. It drops tomorrow. Friday, or it might already be out depending on when you're listening to this. Check all of our social media pages at Hop Spirits, all one word on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, even TikTok now as well. But if you go to our Instagram page, that's where you'll find how to win, and that's where our giveaway will live. It's on our Instagram page. It's a whole lot of fun. We're giving away some cool gear, some cool drinks from the bar and the beer fridge, so you don't want to miss that. Also, don't forget to check out our 60-second highlights. They drop Monday morning on our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram pages. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly Cheers newsletter, which we do a nice little feature, some news, our, our latest episode info, and so much more. It's our weekly Cheers newsletter. You can get that by going to any of our Instagram or inst- any of our social media pages and clicking on the link in our bio. Until next time, cheers everyone. <laughs>